Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. You just heard that number where you are invited to call in and be a part of the program as you have opportunity to ask questions and to ask for prayer. So 303-690-3000 is the call-in number, 303-690-3000. We got all open lines the hour goes by quickly, so if you have opportunities, jump on the phone line and, and uh, let's talk about the Lord. Let's talk about the things of the Lord, and uh, those phone lines can fill up quickly as the show continues, but grab one of those open lines, 303-690-3000. There's another way, as most of you know, to be able to ask a question or a prayer request, and that's through a dedicated text line, and that is a different number. It is for texting only. And we always encourage you, be safe when you are texting, 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897. My name is Jeff Figs. I pastor at Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado. So glad that you have joined us. Those of you who are listening on Grace FM, you're listening live on this Tuesday afternoon. Pray that you're doing well. Maybe perhaps you're bringing kids home from school or going, taking them to practice or uh, maybe to music lessons or dance class or maybe making them a snack. Maybe you're finishing work up. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Love to hear from you, Grace FM listeners all along the front range of Colorado. Another smoky day, another hot day, um, but uh, pray that you're well and pray that, um, that you will be blessed by today's program. And pray that you consider being a part of it. So give me a call on one of those open lines. Text line 720-336-0897. You can text as well. Just make sure you're safe as you text. want to welcome all the uh, other uh, folks that are tuned in, uh, maybe perhaps on another Christian radio network, Hope FM, Truth FM. Uh, also, recently in the last month, Freedom Radio Network has joined us Uh radio stations all through the South and really across the United States. We welcome you as well. You may be new to Calvary Live, and Calvary Live uh, is a show where you can call in and ask questions about the Bible or Christian living or the things that we see around us. How do we have a Christian worldview? And that's so important for us, the Christians, to know that, to know what the Word of God has to say. So as you're listening, other than Grace FM or on you know the uh, website, listening live to Grace FM or on the sm- smartphone, um, then you're a week delayed. But you can call in at 303-690-3000, and we can have the conversation, and you can listen to it a week later. So we got all open lines right now. Grab one of those open lines. As soon as the phones start ringing, I'm going to go to the phone lines, but we encourage you to do that. Online listeners, you too, anywhere in the United States, you can call at that number. Once again, I'll repeat them throughout the program. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Love to hear from you 
on this Tuesday as we in a month. We're head, going to be heading into September, the fall season. Um, we are praying for you in the Midwest as uh, remnants of Ida is, uh, is causing a lot of rain throughout Tennessee, has passed through there where they already had floods. We continue to pray for, for those down in Louisiana um, that were hit hard, particularly around the New Orleans area. Um, we're beginning to see some of the damage, uh, some of the flooding that took place, homes that are flooded, businesses that are flooded. And uh, we're just praying that those waters would recede quickly and recovery would come. We want to pray for them. Matter of fact, we just got a prayer request. Let's pray for them right now. Father, I just pray for those, Lord, who have suffered loss through uh, another devastating hurricane, Ida. And Lord, we just pray that the flood waters would recede quickly that uh, those who are rescuing, those who are um, recovering, um, those who are stranded perhaps, uh, those who are going to be involved in the recovery of rebuilding, I pray that you would mobilize them quickly, that the the Christians would be a part of that, that those who have need to have no power. It's hot. Um, there's no air conditioning, um, things like that, things that perhaps we don't think about. Uh, even water is a challenge, good, clean water. I just pray that you provide for that. Be with those on the front lines uh, that are in the midst of the floodwaters, uh, trying to get people off their roofs, um, going around searching, uh, those who are trying to put in power lines, the, the authorities, the emergency, the crisis centers, all those places that you be with them and you guide them and direct them in every way, Lord. Uh, just uh, Lord, be with them, and I pray that Christians would be among them uh, to give comfort and light and truth and peace during this time, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. So we continue to pray for you down in the south there, affected by that, and uh, if you need any prayer, give me a call. we got an open line, 303-690-3000. So let's go to Vinny from Severance. Hi, Vinny. Pastor Jeff, Vinny. thanks for taking my call. How are you today? You bet. Good. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. I was uh, last weekend, or toward the end of the week, and then last weekend I was uh, reading Second Samuel 24, the end of Second Samuel, the, you know, near the end of King David's life, and in, at the very first verse. And I'm driving, so I don't have my Bible with me, but I'm just driving, but I'm okay. remembering. Uh, the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he, ca- and he caused David to take a census. The Lord told King David to take a census among the people, and then Joab spent the next nine months taking the census. When he returned with the results, King David realized the sin in his heart, and, and then uh, his seer, I forgot the name, uh, convicted him of that uh, the very next day, and, and then... King David was faced with three different forms of punishment um, on the people right. of Israel. And it really, you know, that, that kind of struck me. So I dug a little further, and I found myself in First Chronicles 21, where it says Satan rose up against Israel and caused David to, to take a census. Now, I know that the Lord was, uh, you know, chastising King David because of, of sin in his heart. I'm kind of reminded of the events leading, the offense around the, the end of King Hezekiah's reign. Um, so I was wondering if you would just unpack that a little further, help me deepen my understanding. Yeah, and it's an interesting take on that because, you know, in one verse, as you just, you know, mentioned, um, that 
uh, Satan in, incited David to take a census of Israel, First Chronicles 21. And then as you were reading Second uh, Samuel chapter 24, uh, it says that the Lord incited David to take the census. So which account do we believe? And the answer is we believe both accounts. They're not contradictory accounts. What they are is complementary accounts. And they just reflect different aspects of a, of a truth that's taken place. And taken together, we can really construct a fuller picture um, of what had happened. Uh, Satan was the actual instrument, I believe, used to incite David to number Israel. Uh, but God permitted Satan to do this. Um, in, in the Hebrew mindset, whatever, whatever God permits, God commits by allowing this census taken. God is viewed as having brought about the act himself. So that's kind of what's going on. So Satan incited it. God allowed it. Um, and Satan did this because he wanted to destroy Israel. He wanted to destroy the people of God. But God's purpose was to s- simply humble David and to teach him and his people a valuable spiritual lesson. And it's an important um, lesson for us as well, uh, because here's the thing. I, I've told my church, we don't ever want to be trusting in numbers. David was supposed to trust in the Lord. He had written in his reign, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. And it's at a time when the nation was strong, he had defeated his enemies, David, you know, decides, you know, as he's incited by Satan, tempted by Satan to do this, hey, let's number the people so I can see how strong my kingdom is. And and so God allowed it, and allowing that, he would teach David a very valuable lesson, a very painful lesson, as we see that the judgment would come. But David had to learn once again, in a very hard way, that we are to trust in the Lord to be our strength. And I never want to trust in, you know, how many people are coming, how, what's the size of our budget, you know, how popular we are, how big our buildings are, things like that. Our trust is always in the Lord. So both accounts are true. They just complement each other. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I appreciate that. You bet. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. That's the calling number. When somebody hangs up, there's an open line. Text line 720-336-0897. So, you know, sometimes we get, you know, complementary accounts, maybe when it comes to the resurrection, when it comes to, you know, different uh, accounts in the Gospels. The Gospel writers will fill in different details on that. And so we we don't, you know, when we do a little investigation, we can come up uh, with that uh, answer of it gives us a fuller revelation of what's going on, more details of what's going on, and maybe one of the writers of the Bible just takes one account, and another writer takes uh, more full of account or different details, but they complement each other. And I, I mention that because there are people who will come along and say, the Bible contradicts itself. No, the Bible's not contradictory. It's complementary, and we can look at those things and um, and we can come up with some reasonable answers. Um, 303-690-3000, call-in number. Let's go to John in Broomfield. Hi, John. John, you there? Okay. John was asking uh, a question about the Millennium King- Kingdom. 
Um, and so, John, if you can call back, I'd love to answer that question and talk to you about that. So we got a couple open lines, 303-690-3000, and the text line 720-336-0897. Be sure to text me something, and if we got time, we'll go to those text questions and prayer requests. Let's go to Dan in Loveland. Dan? Dan, are you there? Okay. Dan from Loveland? Okay, we'll try to get get these, see what we can do to get on the line. Yeah. So um, we, I, apparently we got all open lines now. So 303-690-3000, the call-in number, grab one of those open lines. Maybe I'll come back to these questions. It's always nice to be able to talk to them. So, John, if you can call back. Um, you got open lines, and same with Dan. Uh, sometimes people call. They're not able to, to hang on, but um, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Text line 720-336-0897. Sometimes that happens when people are driving, and we certainly understand that. Um, one of the text questions that came in was um, kind of caught my eye, and I was just looking at it. Um, it says, Pastor, do you still think that we can have revival in the days in which we are in? And uh, is God still working? Uh, God still is working. He's always working. When you go through the Bible, uh, when you go through even the Old Testament, in the worst of their history uh, of the children of Israel, you see God was still working somehow. Uh, he still had his remnant of people. He was still working. Uh, he would send the prophets. Uh, he was still ministering to them. Um, and so we see that throughout the Old Testament, during, after the days of the judges, when uh, after the reign of Solomon, when the nation split into the house of Israel and the house of Judah, there's idol worship. God was sending Elijah, Elijah to the house of, of Israel. God was sending the prophets we see in Judah. There was some of the godly kings, so he's still working. Um, today, can we still see revival? I believe God is still working, obviously, in the church today. Um, he is working in ways that we don't always see, and that's what we got to remember. Matter of fact, when we look at the church and worldwide, the fastest growing church is in Iran, and those Christians are being persecuted. Those Christians are being, um, you know, uh, persecuted very, very heavily, as well as Christians throughout parts of the world. Uh, but God is still working. He's still working miracles. He's still saving. Um, God is still working. He told Peter, Jesus did, there at Caesarea Philippi, that, Peter, uh, upon the rock of your confession, I'm going to build my church, and that's what he has been doing. That's what he has been doing for 2,000 years. He's still building his church. And is there still revival that, that can happen? Um, yes, I believe that God wants to save our nation. If we, we talk about just our nation, it, can God still move? Yes, even though we see the trend that is going um, towards uh, more hostile towards the Bible, towards Christianity, uh, immorality, calling evil good and good evil. We see those trends, but here's the thing. We need to pray for revival. We need to pray for a spiritual awakening because that's the hope of our nation. And I, I believe God wants to work. So I pray for revival. Uh, I know God is still working. And he wants to use us in the days in which we are in. So uh, that's the thing to remember as well. 
He wants to use you. He wants to use me. We are here for such a time as this to be used of the Lord. So I do pray for revival. I pray for God working because it is the hope of any individual, any community, any nation is to turn to the Lord and trust him. Hey, uh, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to Graham in Fort Lupton. Hi, Graham. Hey there. How are we doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. So I just had a question on uh, Matthew twenty-one eighteen in regards to the fig tree. So yes. Jesus, Jesus curses the fig tree because it bears no fruit. And I was just curious if the fig tree bears no fruit because it was already eaten from and provided no fruit because everyone ate from it that day, or if there was no fruit because that tree just bared no fruit because it just was a unfruit-bearing tree. Yeah, and it's a good question. And you got to remember that Jesus, in chapter 21, it begins that section of Matthew where Jesus um, has come into Jerusalem for Passover. It's the final week of his life uh, before his death and burial and his resurrection. After he cleanses the temple, he goes to Bethany, he stays the night. He's coming back the next day early, and it's interesting because it's the only miracle that we see in the scriptures where Jesus curses something, where something um, you know, is, is cursed uh, by Jesus and not benefited like the other miracles that he did. And I'm going to read it to the people just for the sake of, of uh, reading it. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again, and immediately the fig tree withered away. So you read that, and you think, well, what was going on? Was Jesus, you know, grumpy? Is he feeling the pressures of going to the cross? I even heard uh, one teacher say that. It shows the humanity of Jesus, and, you know, he's just really feeling the pressure, and so he cursed the fig trees, hungry. I, I don't think that's the case at all. There was always a purpose. Jesus had, you know, was perfect. He was righteous in all that he did. There's a reason why he did this. And coming back, here's the thing to remember, Graham, is that it's springtime. So the fig tree would have what was called early figs. It was early figs, uh, the beginning of the season to produce fruit for that fig tree. And early ripe figs would be produced there was a lot of leaves, um, and then later on in the summer would come the fig trees that would, you know, ripen just as, you know, fruit does at this time of the year in Colorado. You know, the apple trees, the cherry trees, the uh, plum trees. We had a plum tree in our backyard for years, and, and this is the time of year we'd pick them. But Jesus, seeing that tree, that it did not have the early ripe figs, that he knew that it wouldn't produce fruit. And there's symbolism here because the fig tree, as you look at Hosea chapter 9, Amos chapter 1, um, that the fig tree is um, symbolic of Israel. And we're seeing that going through the prophets. Jeremiah talks about the basket of good figs, the basket of bad figs, when he's indicting the nation. So I believe, as we look at that, and most Bible scholars believe that Jesus cursing the fig tree that there was a lot of leaves, but there was no fruit, that it was an indictment against 
the leadership, the religious leaders, that we really see Matthew emphasizes that Jesus would indict them during this time. They're coming against Jesus. They are ones that uh, are wanting to plot and put him to death. There was a lot of leaves. In other words, there was a lot of religiousness, a lot of tradition, a lot of rituals. Um, They saw themselves as the only authority in the land. They come to Jesus. They're asking him, by what authority do you do these things, and who gave you this authority? And Jesus, as you continue in chapter 21 and move into chapter 22, you see, as his authority is questioned, that he begins to tell these parables, the parable of the two sons, the parable of the wicked vine dressers, the parable of the wedding feast, and he indicts the religious leaders on that. And in chapter 23, there's a whole chapter where he gives eight woes against them. So many believe that it's an indictment against the the leaders of the nation, the nation itself, which would experience judgment in 70 AD when Rome came in and destroyed Jerusalem. So that is where a lot of people go with that. It is interesting when you go to the Olivet Discourse, Jesus tells a parable of a fig tree, which is different. And he says, when you see the fig tree blossom, when it comes forth, you know that um, my coming is near, um, that these things will come to pass. So, you know, it's interesting in contrast to cursing the fig tree. He tells the parable as he's telling his disciples about the signs of his return, the end of the age. He says, when you see the fig tree blossom, when you see the fig tree bloom, you know that my coming is nigh, um, that, that you know that summer is near. And um, when you see the other trees bloom, when they begin to leaf out, is what Luke's account says. So I, I find the contrast very, very interesting. I do too. I just was, uh, it was just an interesting passage, and that's, I've read that explanation um, in some Bibles before, and um, it just is what comes after is where my question arose, where it said, um, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. So it's kind of uh, interesting. It was like, well, why would you want to curse something? You know, where where does that exactly come from? You know? Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and he's teaching that lesson, and he's saying that do not doubt. And, um, you know, and if he goes on and he says, if you tell this mountain to move. So it's interesting that he gives that lesson. But I think that that cursing is an indictment against the religious leaders that their hearts were corrupt. They didn't have faith. Um, They had faith in their traditions. They had faith in, you know, their um, their rituals, but their hearts were not right with God. And we see that indictment in chapter 23 so strong against them. You know, he says, woe to you, eight times, and hypocrite, eight times. And uh, the strong indictment of you're all polished outwardly, but inwardly, you're dead. You are dead. So interesting contrast. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Graham. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate your call. You have a great day, Bye. Graham. All right. Thank you do the same. I will. Thank you. 303-690-3000 is the number to call, the call-in number. I believe we have an open line now. 720-336-0897 is the text line. Let's go to, let's see where I'm at, Carrie and Aurora. Hi, Carrie. Hi. You're on the program, Calvary Live. Mm-hmm. Thanks for calling. Thanks for taking me. 
I'm calling, I guess, in uh, regards to Ephesians 6.12, um, which, you know, talks about wrestling. Spirit, yeah, yeah, spiritual warfare, right? Correct. Spiritual, yeah, exactly. Spiritual attack, I, I guess. Um, I was just wondering how I can use this scripture to help enhance my spiritual walk. I've I've gone through some a season here where uh, it's really my spiritual relationship has suffered, and um, I lost my job four and a half years ago for being a whistleblower, and it wasn't my fault. Um, I cannot find a job. Um, I would like prayer for that, if possible. But I also need. I would like to know what I can do to get uh, Jesus back in my life, and. I mean, feel the joy and, and want to praise and sing and, you know. Yeah, yeah. and those, those I think there's a couple issues that are here um, for you. One is this, is that there is spiritual warfare. You know, the enemy is going to come against us. He, he, you know, and that's what Paul's talking about. He says, you know, that put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of, of the devil. So he he's telling us, that in Ephesians chapter 6, that the enemy is going to come after you. There is certain armor that you need to put on to withstand, you know, the attack of the enemy. He says, we we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness. So he goes through that armor, and as he goes through that armor, each piece of armor is really important. And the last piece that he talks about is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so you can go through that, and you can see that that we need to put on that armor. And it's really important that we do that, because the enemy is relentless. And he he's going to do everything he, he can carry to throw you off to where, you know, he will then come and condemn you as he attacks you to push you away from the Lord. And I believe that's what's happened. You've done what is right in, in at your work. You did what you know your conscience told you to do, and and then all of a sudden you're going through trials and difficulties because of that. And it is in the trials that it's important. the The reaction of a lot of people can be, and the natural tendency is to kind of withdraw from the Lord when we really need to be drawn close to the Lord. So, Carrie, I would encourage you to study. You know, go through the Psalms. David went through trials and people coming against him and the enemy coming against him, literal enemies, but it was all driven by by Satan. And and to know that the Lord desires to minister to you, for you to draw close to him, to get back to reading your Bible and praying, to just seeking him. And you know what you're going to find? The Lord's going to show up. And the Lord is saying to you, come home. And I want you to rest in my love. I want you to trust in me. And he desires to minister his comfort to you. And he desires to minister his word to you. And he desires for you to just um, have the confidence that he's working in your life and that his mercies are new every day. And to put on that whole armor of God because the enemy is going to come and be relentless and he's going to still attack you. And he's still going to throw the fiery darts at you. So, Father, as we go get ready for break, I pray for Carrie that you would just be with her, that you would help her. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just minister to her and um, and that you draw her to yourself. 
that she would know those armors that she can put on, that the enemy will come against us, but you've given us victory through Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, Carrie. Thank you. Are you, do you have any follow-up that you wanted to? We're, we're going to hear the music of the break, uh, okay. but I wanted to get that prayer in before we did. And if you want to follow up, we can wait, and we'll come back after the break, if that sounds good. Um, it, you got any okay. more questions? I don't, really. I just appreciate okay. that. Thank you for the prayer. Um, you bet, Carrie. And yeah. listen, you call back anytime for prayer and any questions, but... Tr- Trust in the Lord. Look to him. Okay. Okay, And he he desires to minister and strengthen your heart. Hey, we're going to go to break here. 303-690-3000. Got a couple open lines. Give me a call. Maybe you need prayer or you got a question. Be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. So glad that you've joined us today. My name is Jeff Biggs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you hosting this afternoon. Wherever you're at, whether you're listening live on Grace FM along the Front Range in Colorado and up to Southern Wyoming, love to hear from you guys Pray you're having a blessed day, 303-690-3000. We've got two open lines, and I'd love for you to call in. Got plenty of time. Text line is 720-336-0897, and love for you to text in a, a prayer request or a, um, or a question, and as we have time, we will go to that and take a look at that. Um, but anywhere in the United States, whether you're listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, Freedom FM, uh, those radio stations that have just picked up Calvary Live, we welcome you. I want to remind you, I think I, I um, y- you know, we announced this when it first happened um, earlier in the year when Calvary Church of Aurora uh, put up the text line. That's a 24-7 text line that you can text in a prayer request anytime. And there's the prayer team and pastors there at Calvary Church that will be taking those prayer requests and praying for you. So it's not just for the show. We will go to that during the show, but I want you to know that anywhere in the United States, whether you're listening online or Freedom FM, Radio Network, or Truth or Hope FM, or Grace FM, um, that that text line, 720-336-0897, is 24-7 prayer line. And I think that's neat. Um, When you just need prayer, knowing that there's going to be people praying for you. So I wanted to remind you that. Also, if you're new to Calvary Live and a a lot of new people to Calvary Live, uh, I would uh, encourage you to put those two numbers, the call-in number 303-690-3000, in your contact as well as the text line 720-336-0897. You can pull it up if you can't sleep at night. And I just need prayer. Text in a prayer request, and I think that's really neat and a good resource for you. It's wonderful that we have this technology to keep us all together. So we got a couple open lines, so please give me a call. Let's talk about the things of the Lord. Let's talk about uh, the things that are on your heart, your questions that you might have or prayer uh, that you want to receive. And uh, we're here to uh, just minister to you and to serve you in that way. Uh, in the meantime, let's go to Mike in Greeley. Mike? Hey, Pastor. Pastor Jeff, how are you? 
I am good. You're on Calvary Live. I got a quick question. Is there anything in the Bible? I haven't read anything like that specifically gives an answer, but that you know that would direct us in the way Jesus would act had it's regarding like a gay marriage. Should a Christian attend a gay marriage? Because I've heard arguments for it, against it. I've heard pastors mm-hmm. say it's a personal choice, which I don't know if I agree. I just I just feel like there's got to be something biblical that points to us that shows us what Jesus would do had he been invited well, to like a gay marriage. Yeah, and you know, and that's what you know. You read about, you read about. Well, Jesus went and ate with tax collectors and sinners, and and Jesus did that for the purpose of you know changing lives. And um, so we kind of kind of keep everything in context. We live in a day and age where this is a question that comes up, not just for a Christian, but it gets real personal. Uh, you got parents that say, "My child." Uh, it's going to get married. Um, it's a gay wedding. Should I go to it or not? And they agonize over it because they love their child and they want to keep a relationship open with them. They want to keep the dialogue open with them, um, even though they don't agree with it. The thing about a, a wedding, when we go to a wedding, just uh, a wedding that uh, that we go to, it's a time of celebration. It's a, it's a joyous occasion. And those guests that are at the wedding really we're there to say that we're we're praying for you we we're celebrating with you and so that's the thing to remember you know and it a factor is we pray about these things is you know can i go there can i celebrate this and we know that the bible is very clear that the marriage should be between one man and one woman and it doesn't matter what the supreme court says or what any court says we know that biblical marriage is defined to us in the Scripture. Jesus said it himself, that he, in the beginning he made them male and female, and a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So can we go and celebrate that? Can we rejoice in that? Can we approve in that? But there are others that just will say, listen, if you know, I want to keep my, my relationship open to I can minister to them, um, and that's the the agony that they go through. That's the you know uh, part that they really can s- struggle with, and really you know uh, have a hard time with. Um, you know the Bible talks about uh, light having fellowship with darkness. Uh, you know the the things that that we do, it, even when it comes to that issue of liberty. You know, is it pleasing to the Lord? Um, w- you know, is it something that honors the Lord? And, um, and so, you know, some have convictions in different ways and, um, it's, it's just, it's hard on families. It's hard on Christian families when they have a a child or a grandchild or somebody that they care about, uh, that there's a gay wedding they get invited to, and it's something they have to take to the Lord and, and, you know, um, really seek the Lord on those things. So do you think it is a personal choice then? Well, there's always a choice in it, you know, uh, you know, there's a choice whether you're going to do it or not. And, and so as I look at the scriptures, you know, can you go there? You know, wedding is something that God has established, you know, what a wedding is a biblical wedding. Can you go there? Can you rejoice in it? Um, can you celebrate it? Can you say that this is good? And, 
And that's where, you know, the dis, you know, where people have to make that decisions and where people make a choice sometimes where the struggle, as I said, is, you know, if I don't go to that wedding, then I will have no relationship with my, my, you know, my child with my grandchild. And I want to keep that open. That's where it is. And listen, I'm not going to condemn anybody for, you know, that, for wanting to keep the dialogue open. I've I've talked to people on this issue on both ends um, that, you know, some who say, listen, I don't idolize my kids. I am not going to go. It is not right. And they are firm on that. And they cannot do that in faith. And others who have said Christians who love the Lord that have said, listen, I'm going to go. I, I, you know, I struggle with it, but I want to keep the lines of communication open. I want to still be able to minister to them. And I'm not going to condemn them for that as they love their child because it's real struggle. It's a real agony um, for them to go through that. So that's where, you know, you go to the Lord. And as Colossians 3 says, that it gives us a peace that rules in our hearts that, you know, to have that peace for him to make the call on that decision. And um, and so, you know, that's where I throw it out. And that's where I say, you seek the Lord on that. You seek the scriptures on these things. And what the scripture says about, you know, those things and, and um, you know, and make your decision. But it's tough and it's hard. It's hard today uh, in the days in which we're living in. Yeah, because I talked to one person and he's like, well, haven't you ever gone to a wedding where the couple was just divorced for no reason and then they're getting remarried? And you're like, yeah, yeah, hey, probably. And we don't look at that as being bad. But my thought yeah. is, is, like, as a Christian, I mean, I don't feel right going to a gay wedding. And it's like I after they brought that up, I'm like, you know what? Maybe we should be more particular on the weddings we do go to. Well, and, and that's the thing. What about, you know, uh, uh, somebody who's a believer that that is going to marry an unbeliever? Um, you know, it, we tend to just put, you know, um, one situation there, but, you know, those are things that, that are, you know, we're facing in our culture and our society today that we face. And, you know, when, a, when it, somebody comes in, a parent, a grandparent, they're really agonizing over this. You know, I want to give them some words of wisdom. I want to give them truth. I want to encourage them stand for righteousness and we as Christians are to stand for righteousness. But there is that area of just grace to where they say, you know, I just, I want to be able to keep those lines of communication open. And I, I just want to be able to just, you know, to be able to do that because, and, and it's hard. And that's their conviction. And um, so it's it's hard. It's, it's, it's a difficult situation. And some people... They have no, you know, strong, strong convictions on both sides, and um, and so you know we pray and we always want to though give truth. And you see, when Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners, he was the perfect balance of truth and grace, wasn't he? And if it's just all grace and there's no truth, then it's flaky. If it's all just truth and there's no grace, then it can be kind of harsh. And, and so he was the perfect balance between them. And um, and it's like, um, I want to be full of grace and truth. I don't back down from what the Bible says. I don't back down from, from you know, what the Bible declares as being righteous and biblical morality. But I do know that we live in a world where we want to be 
a witness to those. We want to minister to those who who don't know, who aren't believers, who don't know any different, who don't know the gospel, um, and in in its heart, and it just puts us in challenging circumstances that I'll be real honest with you, I don't always have the answers to, but I do know the Lord does, and the Word of God does to guide us and direct us. Yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering. Is there anything that would lead us to a direction of what Jesus would do? You know, is there anything in the Bible that points us, like, would Jesus actually? Because I always, I get to thinking about the woman at the whale, you know, and Jesus says, you know, he didn't judge or he didn't condemn her. He just said, go right. and sin no more. And I just feel like by us going to any kind of gay wedding, we're con- almost condoning it. Well, here's the thing. At the at the well there is that Jesus said, go get your husband. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus didn't say, yeah, because you're a liar and you're living in sin, you know, and you've had five husbands and you're, you know, adulterer and just start blasting her. But he said, you're right. You you had five husbands. Uh, the one you were with is not your husband. But he gave her living water. He gave her, you know, the truth of living water, that if you drink of this well, you're going to thirst again, Jacob's well. But if you have living water that I have to give, you will never thirst. And guess who ended up being an incredible witness? She goes back to town and she says, teach, you know, I want to show you a man that um, told me everything about me. And, and Jesus, just full of that grace, that woman caught in the very act of adultery in John chapter 8, he says, go and sin no more. It's, and, and think about that. Here's a woman thrown down in front of him, naked, caught in the very act of adultery, humiliated, set up, and, and Jesus looked her right in the eyes, right in the eyes. She looked into the eyes of God himself and says, who condemns you? She says, no one. And he said, neither do I. Go in peace and sin no more. The incredible grace of our Lord, the incredible grace that, you know, the woman that came in, up there in the Galilee region of Luke chapter 7 and fell at his feet and worshipped him. And so I think that there's room for some grace for us to be able to to be a voice of truth and, and the love of God. But also we want to stand for righteousness. And so... That's where the Lord will guide us in all things. Okay. Well, I appreciate the information. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike. I appreciate you calling. So, all right. 303 690 3000 is the call in number. Hard times, the difficult, difficult things that we have to decide and different convictions. And I know some of you out there that you have the conviction absolutely no way. We shouldn't do that. Um, and you know, we want to celebrate a wedding. We want to, we'll be there to be the approval. And, um, and I understand, I understand those convictions. I also understand the convictions of, you know, I want to keep a relationship going with my son, daughter, you know, my grandchild, whoever it might be that I care and love for and to be able to minister to them. And, um, I understand that, that side as well. So, you know, God guides us and directs us. And uh, but we always want to do this. We always want to stand for truth. So hey, three zero three six nine zero three thousand, and the text line is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Kathy and Greeley. Hi, Kathy. Kathy. Okay, Kathy. Kathy, she wanted prayer for 
her husband. And um, so we just need to pray for Kathy. Kathy, we're going to pray for you. And um, we just pray that, uh, Lord, that you would restore this marriage. Um, You know what's going on. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would just work, that you bring healing, forgiveness, that Kathy's husband, that you put it in his heart to to work it out uh, in the marriage, to, to get work, help him find a job, that you would intervene. You know everything that's going on. And I just pray that you would just bring this couple together, there would be forgiveness, restoring, healing that needs to take place. And, Lord, I just pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, which leaves us with all open lines. I do have a text prayer request, um, and uh, I know that, Robert, you've texted this in um, yesterday. And so I, I want to take time because Robert really wants prayer um, for the Lord's provision and guidance, trying to get his dad, his house running again, electricity, water, gas for cooking. He lives in Alabama, and here Robert is in Colorado and just hard trying to save up enough money to buy a car to make the trip, pay my own bills plus his. And so, Robert, we're going to pray for you. You've been asking for this, and Father, we do pray for Robert. has a lot on his plate right now, trying to help his dad get his house running, um, living in another state down in the south. Uh, I pray that uh, you would help him uh, be able to save enough money to help his father, to be able to also just to, to provide for his own needs and, and to be able to to juggle the two living here, getting down to Alabama, helping his dad. So I just pray for your provision, your guidance, Lord, um, with him and with this family, and, Lord, that you would just work in a, an incredible way. So, Lord, just help Robert um, as he's moving forward in this. Help him with everything that is needed for his dad and for himself. And, Lord, that you would show yourself strong on their behalf. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to Carlos in Thornton. Carlos? Hello. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, I was calling because I have few questions and um, a quick prayer request as well. Um, my okay. first question was, um, so I thought I'd known the answer to this question, and I guess I didn't as well as I, as, as I thought I did, but how exactly were people saved before Jesus? Um, I've asked that question before, and I've been referred to, I think it was Romans 3, when Paul was discussing how Abraham's righteousness was accredited to him, but... I guess I just still don't fully understand that because if that was possible, then why did Jesus need to come? And, um, you know, I know we've all fallen short and we've all sinned. So, and, you know, sin separates us from God. So without, um, with that being a possibility, why did Jesus need to come? Right. you're You're asking good questions, Carlos. Those are very good questions that I think that we need to be clear on because, how were people saved in the Old Testament time? You know, why did Jesus have to come? We know that Jesus had to come to die for our sins. And and the book of Romans is really incredible because Paul makes the case in chapters 1, 2, and 3 
that, you know, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And then in the middle of chapter 3, he begins to give this doctrine of justification, that we're justified by faith. Um, And in the doctrine of justification, those who perhaps were of the Jewish mind that were reading that were saying, well, well, what about the law? What about works? What about all the sacrifices? What about all that stuff? And so Paul says, listen, that Abraham, that and he makes the case, particularly in the book of Galatians as well, that here were the Judaizers coming in in the early church, and they were saying, well, that's all fine and dandy that you have faith in Jesus, you, you Gentile believers, but you have to be circumcised. You have to keep the law of Moses. So Paul's making the case, listen, no. When was Abraham justified? He was justified as he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's Genesis chapter 15. When did the covenant of circumcision come? That was chapter 17. So it wasn't circumcision that saved Abraham. It wasn't the works of the law that saved uh, Abraham. It was faith. So Paul's just simply showing that it has been faith ever since the beginning, since, you know, uh, faith in God. And so works won't save you. There was a purpose of the law in Galatians, he tells us, and that was to be a schoolmaster to point us to Jesus Christ. Um, it was a schoolmaster to be a tutor for us. The law shows us that we're guilty, not that we're righteous, but we're guilty. And that's what the book of Romans is bringing out, that we're justified freely by his grace, the unmerited favor of God. Ephesians chapter 2, we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's real important for Christians to understand that it is by faith. Even the Old Testament, the, in the book of Habakkuk, that we read that the Lord says that the just shall live by faith. And then Paul picks up that theme in Romans. He picks up that theme in Galatians, and he even picks up that theme in the book of Hebrews that tells us that the old you know, sacrifices of bulls and goats wasn't enough to take away sins, but Jesus died for our sins once and for all. So that's that's what Paul is trying to get across. Because, you know, the Jewish mind or the one who's self-righteous might say, well, what about works? What about performance? What about these things? And Paul say, no, we're justified by faith freely. And it's interesting, as you go through chapter 5, he really, you know, expresses how faith triumphs everything. And he, you know, he goes on, by the gift of grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounds to many, uh, you know, we're saved. The free gift, uh, he keeps saying, the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Uh, the gift of righteousness will reign of life through one, Jesus Christ. So he keeps telling us that that salvation is a gift that comes through faith. And um, it doesn't come by works. And it's faith in God. And then he goes through the doctrine of of sanctification in chapter 6, because the Jewish reader might be thinking, or the self-righteous person, well, does that mean we can just go out and do anything that we want? We can go out and sin? He says, no, certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin any, you know, live any longer in it? You know, we're in a newness of life. It's, it's a work of the Spirit. We're born again by the Spirit of God. So that's what he's putting across, Carlos. Okay. 
That makes sense. Yeah, and, and this wonderful truth that is declared. Because sometimes people come along and say, oh, you know what? You're not saved unless you get baptized or you worship on this day or join this church or, you know, take sacraments or whatever it is. It is by faith alone. And that's the truth of the new gospel, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of, of you know, the grace, um, of faith in him, what he did for us on Calvary and who Jesus is and coming to him in faith for salvation. So thanks, Carlos. Appreciate it. Good question. You're asking good questions. Thank you. Yeah, I just, um, it's just been a question that has never came. I was sharing, I was sharing Jesus with somebody and that question came up. Well, how were people mm-hmm. saved before that? Did everybody go to hell before Jesus came in? And I, mm-hmm. I knew that wasn't the case, yeah. but I didn't really know how to give a good answer back. And it was an uncomfortable situation, but that's good information. Yeah. So now I can, now I'm better equipped for next time I get that question. Um, yeah. And then um, yeah. I, my my prayer request was I, my my I got a one year old daughter. She's been she's been sick all week and um, oh no being being a parent um, to yeah. a child in pain and suffering you know and just miserable is just the most painful thing I've ever had to deal with and not being yeah, able to hope. do anything about it. So prayers for that would be very yeah appreciated. absolutely. I just want her to get How better. She? And, um, yeah, she's one year old. Yeah. Okay, Father, I just pray for Carlos's one-year-old daughter who's sick. Lord, there, nothing moves us more as a parent than to see a child that is sick. And so, Lord, we just pray for your healing upon her. Relieve the pain. Lord, heal her body. Be with Carlos as he ministers to her. But, Lord, you would touch her body and, and bring that healing and comfort that she needs. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carlos. We'll be praying, Thank okay? Thank you. Actually, I have one more quick question. Okay, we're, Carlos, you know, we're getting towards the end of the show, and I got a couple calls I'd like to get in. Oh, so okay, no problem. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do that, but Carlos, listen, you feel free to call us back. This show's on every day. You call back. You keep asking those good questions, okay? All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. We'll be praying for your daughter. Okay, we got time. Let's go to Samuel in Westminster. Samuel? Samuel. So, and um, let's go to Michael in Baltimore before we end the show. Hi, Michael. Hi. You're on Calvary Live. Hi. Yes, uh, my question was, um, so in, in active war, war um, killing is, you know, it's considered okay, it's acceptable, um, like in a right context. Um, I was wondering about those service members who are uh, uh, commanded or in their, their job duty to essentially take their own lives. Is that still considered suicide and sinful, or is that uh, considered killing, like how murder would be killing um, in that context? Yeah. That'd be killing oneself, or is it still suicide? Yeah, and I don't know. You know, I don't know the circumstances and guidelines and all of that and stuff. And and uh, we know that the Lord desires us not to commit suicide. Um, but in those situations, I'm not familiar with the situations or anything, um, you know, to protect secrets, protect lies, whatever the case may be. Um, it's a very tough situation to be in, obviously. You know, sometimes um, I, I can't imagine them going through those things. So, 
I wish I had a better answer for you. You know, I'd have to think about it and chew on it a little bit. And, and, um, but we do know that those who, you know, take their own lives, um, that the, the Lord does, does not desire to do that. But you're talking about a very unique situation, um, that are willing to, you know, do that to, to protect their country or the interest of others, or maybe to save others, you know, in their unit, whatever situation that might be. Yeah, that was my, uh, yeah, that was the context. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. A question I asked my father-in-law as a pastor, and he didn't uh, seem to have a really good answer for it either, but I, I guess there's no real good answer for it, but. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, it reminds me, Jesus said in the context of what you're talking about, to save their unit or save others, um, you, you know, um, you know, no greater love than this than a man laid down his life for his friends, you know, to others. And and so um, there are those who, of course, even as you can read stories and missionaries that, you know, wouldn't give up information to, to save uh, others and stuff, and they ended up being put to death. But as far as, you know, taking their own lives, um, just not familiar with that situation and stuff. But it's 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 something to pray for our service people and, and to be praying for everyone uh, that finds themselves in those difficult, difficult situations. So, Michael, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Wish I could be more help to you. Hey, thank you, everyone, for calling. Good questions. Good show today. Be back at the same time next time uh, on Calvary Live. And keep close to the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep reading His Word. You guys have a good evening wherever you're at. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.